1: Welcome to The Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedemann and we extend a warm hello to all who are listening on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. here in Chicago, and all who are watching our live stream on YouTube and Facebook at Catholic Chicago. We'd like to start today's show by acknowledging the suffering in Ukraine. We ask for Our Lady's intercession in alleviating that suffering and in bringing peace on earth. We invite you to join with us in saying a Hail Mary, One of Catholic Charities' most effective service sites for mental health concerns is the Encompassing Center. Located on West Harrison Street in Chicago, the Encompassing Center offers accessible, quality mental health services to low-income and underinsured Westside residents. Jennifer Smith is a licensed clinical professional counselor, and she is the outstanding program director for the Encompassing Center. Jennifer returns to the Voice of Charity today to provide us an update on how the program has been assisting clients in recent months. Welcome, Jennifer. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Yes, no worries. It is a happy Tuesday, March 1st. Love it.
1: Absolutely. And that kind of attitude is bringing so many people so much help uh, from the Encompassing Center. Jennifer, you really are an amazing leader and we're so delighted to have you back on the show. Thank you. (laughs) Can you please remind our audience how the Encompassing Center started back in 2019?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, as the city of Chicago remembers all of the shutdowns of the mental health centers around the city of Chicago and yeah we've had to respond to that and so recently again like with the compassing center and many other centers that are to come and before us um we are a result of you all in the community saying hey we're going to take our property taxes we're going to funnel that into our own services that cannot be touched that cannot be shut down and we have proven to be successful with it um we're the second site actually so if you guys remember from the last show the kedzy center opened in 2014 And then us in 2019, and they're doing amazing work that, we're almost up to possible seven centers across the city's west and south side. So that is like super exciting.
1: Well, you obviously have a format now of how the, the most these the centers can be run in the most effective ways. Um, that's really doing great things in Chicago, Jennifer. I remember you sharing before that both the name and the logo for the encompassing center, um, careful attention was taken to create those, to create an, a, an aura of optimism and hope for clients. Can you please explain a little bit about, about the symbolism between the, between the name and the logo of the encompassing center,
2: yeah. So it, the symbol is like a compass, and we all know a compass leads the way. You know, it tells us where we're going—north, south, east, or west. And so the center is meant to be a landmark for clients get to where they need to go next, or discover where they're at presently. Whether that's through finding resources in their own community, linking them up to things that. Exist or may not exist that we can kind of help with and assist or help navigate with a warm handoff, and so we've been trying to be that that light and that guide for people that feel
1: lost or just don't know what they need or where they need to go. That's a beautiful way to put it. You're giving direction to people who might not who have maybe felt like they've lost their way a bit. Yes, Um, and I know that to receive services at the Encompassing Center. Um, a client must either be a resident of the West Side or be affiliated with a resident. Can you please explain um, in greater detail what communities the Encompassing Center serves?
2: Yes, yeah, so we expand across four West Side communities. So there's North Lawndale, there's East and West Garfield Park, and we go to all the way through the near West Side.
1: And that's a quite a large geographic region. Yes. Yeah. And, and can you share with our audience, what are some of the concerns um, that residents have been bringing to you uh, and your colleagues in recent months?
2: I feel that and the data is showing it too, we, we definitely keep track of things that are coming in our center. It's a wide variety. I mean, it's been COVID-19, adjusting to that, it's job loss, it's homelessness substance use it's depression anxiety um it's grief and loss and even just some of the basic stuff like hey I'm stressed out I don't really have any major concerns life is good but I need a little bit more extra coping skills you know how do I get into yoga or you know how do I find some resources so the scope has been a huge spectrum of needs. So we've been able to address a lot of those concerns coming
1: through the door, whether clinically or whether through case management and linkage. And what are the first steps that you and your colleagues take when someone comes through the door? Are you able to speak with someone right away? Or is it often scheduling a time? You know, I'm sure you have to um, gauge, you know, how urgent someone's needs are when they walk through that door. Am I right?
2: Oh, yeah. So anyone can call the front desk. They can walk in. They'll get their intake done right away that day um, if they're calling, you know, during office hours, which we're open from 830 to 430. And then from there, it gets passed on to whether a case manager, a counselor. Um, if it's a case management situation, we definitely start right away with trying to link them up with some of that basic needs while we're doing the assessment whether it's a food pantry or you know hey do we need clothing where where can we go for you know this resource and then with the therapist you know we they have 24 to 48 hours to make contact to say hey i'm your therapist you know i'm going to be working with you and then from there it could, the scheduling could vary it all depends there's some barriers with clients that may have limited internet access or, you know, phones are not on and, you know, they have to wait a little while or things like that, or just, you know, it can be scary to start therapy. So sometimes clients will call, they'll get nervous and it's all about engaging and staying consistent and saying we're here. And then from there, you know, We try to do what we need to do. And if it's a higher level of care that's needed, we have assessment tools that do that. And so if we need to refer out, we can. If it's a hospital case, we use resources around us, whether it's SAS or things like that. If there's suicidal ideation or extensive care that's urgent. So we try to use our clinical skills and work together as a team to make sure we provide, you know, adequate and compassionate wraparound care services.
1: And how many clients have you served, Jennifer, uh, per year in the last couple of years? I'm assuming that the numbers did increase once COVID started.
2: Yes. You know, we we felt so discouraged when COVID hit, like within months of, you know, us opening. But I am super excited to share the numbers because I just completed our annual report for 2020 to 2021, and we served 331 clients. For that year. Wow. And that's October to October.
1: That's outstanding considering that you're, the center was just getting up and going. You know, you que- yeah. clearly found ways to be able to welcome clients right at the start and, and you know, not be phased at all when that number increased per month. That's really terrific. Thank you. Um, may, may I ask, well, so once you do an, an initial intake with a client, um, how do you and your colleagues determine the best courses of treatment or the best, you know, just basic suggestions to give to people to help alleviate their concerns?
2: Yeah, so we do start off with some of our basic assessment tools, whether that's an anxiety scale or a depression scale. We do a daily livings assessment scale, which looks at just Sleep patterns, medication, are they using medication and is is it helping, things like that, adequate food, things like that, and then we also use our own clinical judgment as far as the symptoms that they're coming in, no different if they were coming in to see their physician or a dentist, and we're able to come up with an adequate treatment plan based off of symptoms, diagnosis, clients' voice and choice, like what they want to work on, because they do have to be ready. And then also if they're coming in with any recommendations. So if it's a system, whether it's the restorative justice court or DCFS, you know, is there parenting needed? Is there anger management needed? Things like that. We try to do a complete wraparound treatment plan that encompasses all of that. And then go from there working with the client.
1: And I know that mental health concerns are, are very personal and they're very complex, but is there an average amount of time that you normally spend with a client until you and they see some progress and, and, and they feel more like themselves and they feel healthier, you know, ready to, uh, to, you know, pull back from their treatment? Is there an average amount of time? There isn't an average amount of time,
2: the time varies. So it could be someone coming in for case management and you know they they want to build their resume, they want to find, you know, a few resources and then they could be done in their cases closed. We have some that are very invested where they're coming every week, you know, hitting their goals whether it's reducing their anxiety, you know, their treatment plan say, "Hey, I want to than five coping skills and they're able to nail those skills and they can get discharged in six months say but then there's some that have more long-term needs more chronic needs where we have to constantly like update their treatment plan connect them with other resources um partnerships with other like whether it's a hospital or you know the psychiatric evaluation some things take a little longer so we want to be there with the support system you know as a support system for them if they're waiting for something longer for example housing could take months we don't want to leave a client out In the cold, you know, waiting by themselves, we want to be able to check in with them. How's it going? Did you get a feedback from someone? Things like that. So it can vary. We've had clients that have been in our center for over a year, um, and we're constantly changing and, and, you know, assisting their needs. And then if they're bringing in family members and things like that, the the family system extends. So we may be working with the family much longer um, because of that. So... And and
1: how do you gauge a client's progress? Are there barometers that you establish, you know, as part of the intake process? Or is it, you know, something that you wait to hear from, from the client and speaking with them? How how do you gauge progress along the way in assisting someone with mental health concerns?
2: Yeah, so we definitely use a, a daily living assessments tool that gives us a score. And if we see those scores going up and down. Um, We can gauge that way. Sometimes it's based on client's progress and things like that, too. If the client is reporting, yes, I feel better. Yes, we see tangible things like they're consistently going to their psychiatrist appointments. We see medication working. We see them progressing, whether it's like, man, I got the job where before I wasn't getting the job. And so we gauge a bunch of things, which is, again, clients. Um, our assessment tools, and then also what's going on in their world in their life.
1: Well, that feedback from the clients, that positive feedback that that you just mentioned, must be the greatest affirmation for you and your colleagues, Jennifer, you know, that that you're on the right track, and your methods definitely are helping people lead healthier lives. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to take a quick break here on The Voice of Charity. And when we return, we're going to continue our conversation with Jennifer Smith about the Encompassing Center. Please stay tuned.
3: At Catholic Charities, we fight hunger in Chicago throughout the year. Our six regional offices in Cook and Lake Counties work together to offer sit down and to go meals to anyone in need. We deliver meals to those who are homebound and our eight food pantries offer three to four days of food supplies based on household size. Participants in these programs have the opportunity to learn about other Catholic Charity services that strengthen individuals, families, and their communities. The challenges for those dealing with food insecurity are especially great during the winter months. To learn how you can help those who are hungry in your neighborhood, visit catholiccharities.net or call 312-655-7525. That's 312-655-7525 thank you for your
4: generosity.
0: We are at the Most Blessed Trinity Parish Food Pantry in Waukegan. And here we uh, care for people in need. There was definitely an uptick in the needs for services. We doubled our volume after COVID hit, from servicing about 250 families a week to about 500 a week. We supply bread, tortillas, vegetables, milk, cheese, butter, uh, proteins, fish, chicken, eggs. Well, the Annual Catholic Appeal has been a tremendous help to us, especially over the past year and a half. Without the Annual Catholic Appeal, we might have to close our doors. Um, Our parish is the largest one in the Archdiocese, but it's very poor. We think about food and we think about nourishment, but we also nourish the soul, provide that connection to humanity. The good works here are made possible through the Annual Catholic Appeal. Make your gift at annualcatholicappeal.com.
4: Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful, life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today.
1: Welcome back to The Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Bredeman, and during the break, you probably saw that Catholic Charities is unveiling a refreshed logo this spring. It's quite exciting, and you can learn more about that logo um, in the new edition of Keenager News, TeenagerNews.org, and, of course, also on our website, catholiccharities.net. It's my great pleasure today to be here with Jennifer Smith, who is the extraordinary program director for the Encompassing Center, one of Catholic Charities' uh, sites where mental health concerns are addressed um, and alleviated amongst clients. Um, And before the break, Jennifer, we were talking about gauging progress amongst people and how you and your team, you know, help them know when they have made progress themselves. Um, I'm wondering if you could please share a few stories with us about clients who come to the Encompassing Center and and left to much healthier lives.
2: Yes, um, one client that stands out the most um, is a client that came in for case management. And I would see this client all the time and they would come in and get coffee, hang out for like an hour or two with their case manager. And I come to find out like this client was homeless and, that the case manager was able to help this client secure housing and but before they were able to secure housing they were able to link them up with um an organization that gave out free showers um they were able to find a place that were able out to, to give out hot meals and things like that so it was and it made the case manager feel very full and excited to be like yes i was able to be there with this person and sit and just talk to this person and hear their story. It doesn't matter where that person came from or what their situation was, but the fact that two people could come together and just like, hey, let's work out a plan, execute that plan and to be successful, it's just heartwarming. So I love that. And then we we try to have events and things like that where we can dance and eat and have fun and just, you know, it's not about the bad stuff all the time, but
1: the good memories and things we can have because everyone's at the end of the day is still human. That's a super positive story, uh, Jennifer. You know, we must acknowledge, you know, that West Side residents um, have barriers to good health and they have disparities on what they have access to, you know, on an ongoing basis. Um, and so for you to be able to connect someone to resources that they didn't even know existed that can offer them, the, the, them simple basic needs in life and that simp- simple optimism, you know, must be so welcome to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really uh, is inspiring to listen to. Do you have any other stories of of someone who has received treatment at the Accompassing Center and and then left, you know, in, in a much healthier state?
2: Yes, I know we've had um, a client who was doing a group. It was a young a young girl who actually wrote her own book, who actually went on to conduct her own art group and uh, process group once she got done. So it made me amazed. I was amazed by it, cause I'm like, this is an example of leaders that are growing up. You have a young, you know, a young person who has an experience and take that experience and does it themselves. And it's like, that's what we need. That's what we're teaching. You know, the residents, when they come in, it's not just taking services and having services, but taking things back. Um, it's it's amazing to go in a community and spaces and see a client, like, like, know who you are and can call you by name. Like, yeah, I have to speak to you because um, I know you're going to show care and compassion. Oh, yes, you're from the Encompassing Center. Yes, I heard about that. So those things are very heartwarming to hear. Um, we've had clients come back for services, which is, you know, you would think like, oh, okay, you're You're one and done. No, people are excited to come back. So we've, we, I call them repeat offenders. We have people that come back and and love us so much. And that again, just warms my heart knowing that we're doing good work when people realize they can trust us enough to say, Hey, they took care of me once I can come back again and I'm going to come back again. And that's perfectly okay. And I'm going to share my friends, share with my friends and family too.
1: Well, that example that you just mentioned, Jennifer, really goes to show how mental con- concerns um, can weigh so heavily on someone that it affects other parts of their life, you know, and that once those concerns are alleviated, here you're giving this young girl optimism um, and, and empowering her, you know, who knows, you may have empowered a, a young author to go and get that book, book published because you alleviated oh, the me mental yeah. concerns <laughs> that were holding her back, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I also know, please go ahead. Sorry. No, it's like, we've done that a
2: lot where we see things inside people and we're encouraged, like, okay, I'll say this in a heartbeat, like, so when are you making the book? You know, your story needs to be heard. Okay, when are you going to do the podcast? <laughs> you know, when you're going to start that organization, it doesn't have to be large scale, it doesn't have to be an encompassing center or uh, Catholic charities, it can be something at your local church or you know, something you do with your block members, you know,
1: so. As you're speaking, Jennifer, I can't help, the word trust keeps coming to my mind, that you are an expert, you and your colleagues and your teammates are experts at helping build trust with clients, um, and that's why you're so effective at what you do. It's really extraordinary. Um, I, I know that um, oftentimes mental health concerns um, are a result of experiences long ago. You know, can you share with our audience what kind of treatments help people move beyond uh, or help, I guess, maybe acknowledge the experiences of the past and move, move beyond them to recover and, and face, you know, get a healthier mindset for the future?
2: Yes. So, yes, um, the past definitely impacts whether it's a personal past or whether we're in it collectively through history. Like I think of COVID-19, I think of, you know, the, the riots that we had through to George Floyd is no different than civil rights, no different than maybe ancestors from slavery or, you know, anything that happens, we are impacted. And so we have to be able to explore and which is the beauty about counseling is we can be able to overcome Things in the past in a variety of way, whether it's through song and music, whether it's through play with a small child, whether it's through, you know, CBT, where we're making those cognitive connections and becoming very aware, like, uh, maybe this is not normal because we, you know, we functioned under trauma for so long, you know, down to mindfulness or somatic body awareness. Are you aware that you're even present? when you're present, you know, at your job or, you know, at an interview. Are you really here? What can we do? And, you know, some things don't look always the same. It's like, oh, he has an anger management issue where no depression can look like anger. So it's about being trusting open honest transparent and psychoeducation is key to letting people know actually what they're seeing and what they're doing and also to letting people know what others are experiencing you know really educating people what on bipolar is and the personality disorders and and you know things like that so it it takes a lot to wrap around and and help people move forward through their past and that they're they're not that's not their future they don't have to you know, take those burdens into the next days of their lives, but, you know, still acknowledge it. It still happened, but your story is not determined just by, you know, things that have happened in the past. But Well, it it sounds like as skilled as you
1: and your colleagues are, you're also very aware that each person's timing of being able to accept uh, these treatments and respond positively to them is very different. Am I right?
2: Yes, very different. Yeah,
1: yeah. In the short time left, um, would you like to share a little bit about um, the other human horse service organizations that you work with? You know, to assist clients. Yeah, so we partner with a
2: lot of organizations. Um, Like I said, I just did our annual report and I had to do a shout out to a lot of people, whether it's NAMI, whether it's CYC, whether it's Family Focus, you name it. If if I didn't mention it today, don't charge it to my heart, but you guys know we love you. And um, one of our biggest partnerships is through Rush. Um, university medical center where we have partnered with them in 2021 to have psychiatric services on site. So we have an African-American doctor that's on staff that does all the assessments and you know help with medication monitoring. We know a lot of hospitals have wait lists and a lot of behavior health centers have wait lists for that particular service so we can definitely help and be an entryway. To getting that started so super super excited
1: about that. Oh so. that's wonderful and of course these outside organizations are in addition to the Catholic Charities programs and services that I'm sure you refer folks to whether it's food pantry or case management um, our, our call center that can help um, homeless individuals um, or unhoused you know I should say under uh, individuals so there's many many uh, programs and services within Catholic Charities that you also work in tandem with right?
2: Yes, especially if they're out of our boundaries, we definitely rely on our other behavior health department programs. Definitely, we have food on site, which we have utilized Catholic Charities Food Pantries to assist with us with that. And definitely with those that are at risk of being displaced of housing, getting funding, whether it's catching up on rent or getting that deposit, things like that. Yes, we are. We love our other programs um, that help assist our clients.
1: Well, and for anybody listening or watching today's show, Jennifer, can you please share the contact information for the Encompassing Center so they can learn more about it um, and you know, perhaps support your wonderful, wonderful uh, service site?
2: Yes, you can go to encompassingcenter.org to see the history and about the commission and things like that. We have a brand new website, which is the, the encompassingcenter.org that has pictures and things like that. All of our center work will be updated on that as well and then our Instagram and Facebook page or you guys can call 773-638-5703 and talk to um, our intake coordinator.
1: And again, that phone number 773-638-5703. We thank you so much for being on the show today, Jennifer. Please keep us posted on any way that we can help support your work. You are making a tremendous impact in the city of Chicago and it's just a delight to have you on the show always. Thank you. And uh, we invite you back again next week for another edition of The Voice of Charity. For now, this is Katie Breedemann, and we thank you for tuning in and believing in the mission of Catholic Charities.
0: Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.